As you know, it's important to me that the supplements I recommend and use are of the highest quality. That's why I stock the Protocol for Life Balance product line at my online dispensary, drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. Protocol for Life Balance offers a wide range of professional grade products using ingredients backed by strong scientific research, including methyl action. Methyl action contains B vitamins in their active forms, promoting a vital process called methylation, which helps maintain normal homocysteine levels, supporting neurological, cardiovascular, eye, and bone health. Methyl action is a good choice for anyone who wants to support their overall health and well being. It is especially beneficial for individuals wanting to keep their homocysteine levels within normal range. And want to age gracefully. For more information and to order methyl action, just go to drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. That's drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. Methyl action. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. We're talking about oxalate overload and its impact on a wide variety of medical conditions, not just kidney stones. Our guest, Sally Norton. Her website is sallyknorton.com. And she's written a great book on the subject that I recommend very highly. It's entitled Toxic Superfoods, How Oxalate Overload is Making You Sick and How to Get Better. Now, Sally, I, I recall that from uh, medical school, my medical training, uh, that when people had kidney stones, you could do a 24-hour urine. It's kind of a burdensome thing for patients because they have to carry a urine bag around all day. Best test is best done at home because, you know, people are going to say, what's in that bag? I was like, yeah, I'm just collecting my urine, you know, when you're at work. Uh, and you can send in all that, you know, urine and it's a little, you know, big volume of urine and they'll do an analysis, you know, how much calcium, how much magnesium, how much oxalate is there. And we sometimes call that a stone risk profile because if, if you have beyond a certain threshold of those things, uh, actually you want more magnesium, uh, you want uh, less oxalate, uh, you sometimes they measure uric acid, a different type of stone, calcium and so on. So, uh, and citrate. And citrate, which citrate, which is actually a counter factor for stones, right? You want more citrate. So Right. If you're if you're low in citrate, you're in trouble. You could end up with kidney stones. So to me, that's the most important thing to ask your doctor for if you're doing a urine analysis. Mm -hmm. Make sure that they check the box for citrate. Mm -hmm. But is that a definitive test for this? Because uh you know, I think no. you suggest that uh maybe it doesn't really capture all people who have oxalate problems. It absolutely does not. I have a short chapter on the testing problem in the book. Mm -hmm. It's really quite interesting because some of the researchers are like, boy, even just to gauge average amounts of oxalate, you have to do nine 24-hour urine tests. Oh. Nobody's going to do nine. Yeah. <laughs> Doing one is Even enough. if insurance would pay for it, not yeah. many patients would do that, let alone doctors. So and that isn't some... working so well. And interestingly, the Valerpain Foundation, was their work was based on testing individual voids of urine. So during the day, you're going to pee six or eight times if yeah. you have a healthy bladder. Now, one of the signs and symptoms that you've got an oxalate problem is that you pee a lot more than that. You pee in an urgent way. You have to do nighttime urination and get up a couple times at night. Those are all bad signs for your poor bladder that may be overburdened with oxalate. Mm-hmm. So what they found, though, with this individual void testing of all 8 or 10 or 15, you know, if you're really bad with oxalates, you've probably got more than 6 or 8 voids. But what they saw was 
if it would if it had been done as a 24-hour urine test, it would have been in the high end of normal or just barely out of the range. Nothing to really get excited about. But what they did see was in a in a sort of circadian way that was unique to each individual, based on three days of testing, three non-consecutive days of testing, demonstrated spiky patterns where the body was managing its oxalate problem by releasing a big spike at one time and then taking a little break and, and having two to three spikes a day, typically. One, a couple, some of them, I don't didn't see any distribution data on this, but he tested about 4,000 women who volunteered for his pain study, and that's one of his unique findings, is that the body's got some management thing happening in the background, and there's not enough delving into the data to know how much of that is just the circadianness of a diet or mm. the circadianness of the body's management of the toxic situation. So it, it can vary, and it's, it's elusive. I think there's some innovative labs who are offering different types of testing. Uh, I recall that one lab, a lab, frankly, that I can't use in New York because New York's kind of restrictive about which labs we can use, but that lab was offering other types of testing for oxalates, perhaps in the bloodstream or, you know, I'm not even sure how they track it. Are those tests uh, ready for prime time? I think you're referring to the organic acids testing, yes. which mm-hmm. uh, has its has its drawbacks and there may be questions about accuracy, but it can't. Some urine tests of some kind, if you see high oxalate in any test, then you need to take that seriously. The problem is it doesn't rule out whether or not you have an oxalate overload problem. I I had one of those tests back in 2009, and the test showed I was perfectly fine and had no oxalate problem in any way, shape, or form, whether coming from the liver or the diet or whatever, because it's very easy with oxalate to get these false negative results. But if you get a positive on any of these tests, you want to wake up to the oxalate. Well, it sounds like it's one of those situations where, you know, where they used to try to find out if, if a person was a witch, uh, they would uh, throw them in the water, and if they floated, they were a witch, and then they were burned at the stake. And then if they sank, they were immortal. They were just normal, but they died anyway. So it's kind of a, di- a, cl- it's kind of a therapeutic dilemma, isn't it? it? You know, there's no reliable test. There are a well, panoply of symptoms, and they're, and they're rather, frankly, these symptoms so can be, important. these symptoms can be rather vague, you know, back stiffness, pain, you know, yeah. cloudy urine, sleep problems. I mean, these are ubiquitous problems. So how does a person uh, find out if potentially this is a problem for them? Well, with a um, toxic, toxic illness, yeah. in toxicology, the only real tool we have is comparing risk factors and exposure level and symptom patterns. And together, Mm -hmm. you can triangulate on this and you can see clearly high exposure is a risk for all human beings with toxins, whether Mm -hmm. it be lead, cadmium, mercury, or Mm -hmm. oxalate. And it's particularly harsh on a person who's showing signs of uh, some kind of intestinal weakness or history of NSAID use. Are you suggesting that people do like a challenge of like eat an entire rhubarb pie I understand rhubarb is like one of the highest things in oxalate and, you know, see how they feel or, right. or, or should they do a well, trial, that, alternatively, a trial of elimination, like identify all sources of oxalate and see if some of the symptoms remit when they're off those things? Yeah, I think that the elimination diet is a safer approach to do, but okay. people are doing experiments on themselves anyway, using these smoothies and these dark chocolate bombs and yeah. 
people are throwing together foods that are very high in oxalate, not knowing that they're doing this to themselves with things mm-hmm. like almond butter, cacao, and sweet potato, and then somehow making that turn into like a brownie or something. And they're unfortunately <laughs> doing this to children, which is another whole topic of, of fearful um, behavior. So, but this risk factors of the hyperabsorption or kidney stress, but the response to the diet really is, I think, the best diagnostic option because your only other options are bone biopsy and, yep. <laughs> you know, not good. The diet is very telling mm-hmm. if you know how to interpret it, know what it means when you start feeling better for a few days and then maybe you don't because at some point, if you give the body enough of a break, for a lot of us, there's a process where what used to be a mode of sequestration where the body is literally holding on to oxalate in order to protect the vascular system, to protect the heart from varying can- calcium and electrolyte levels, to protect the kidneys, the tissues hold on to oxalate, they end up getting buried in your bones and bone marrow and your tendons and your thyroid glands. And now, once you stop, you give the body a chance to mm-hmm. go dig out the mess, which re-poisons you because yeah. a lot of times that means it's coming back into the so, bloodstream. So you're saying you see, paradoxically you might feel worse at first? Is that what you're suggesting? At some point, at some point you will feel worse if you're wow. really loaded. And for some people who are doing it through a carnivore diet without any mineral supplementation and in a kind of keto way, I think that disempowers the engines of cleanup to mm-hmm. be short on minerals and short on carbohydrates and things like that. So they tend to, their bodies procrastinate on this cleaning process, this deaccumulation process. And they sometimes, I've had people interview me and come to me three years out, five years out, six years out, and all of a sudden they're suddenly sick with something that they can clearly identify as oxalate. Hmm. And it took them years. But some of us are already what I call spilling oxalate and having oxalate signs. We didn't know that's what they were right from the beginning. But I would say mostly people feel better for the first 10 days, sometimes several months. And then some stuff starts getting weird. So uh, in what way? Well, it's different for everyone. That's one of many reasons why this is so hard to see in science because we want it to be one way. Mm -hmm. There's this set of symptoms that for this disease. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's definitely not how it works. And the the literature is very clear on that because there is a genetic form of this disease. Yes, Uh, uh, genetic uh, hyperoxaluria. Yeah, there's uh, which is a a glitch in your genes, but that's relatively uncommon. And it it accounts for only a small fraction of the people that experience oxalate problems according to your paradigm right it's very yeah it's very rare disease and it comes from the output of like at least 250 different potential gene mutations that's mm-hmm. affecting liver function and the livers becomes this oxalate factory and if it mm-hmm. ha- if you see the symptoms in early infancy those children don't usually live to see h2 wow so that that so really is deadly. an illustration of how profound uh a real full-on onslaught of oxalate can be with a multi-organ effect and obviously a brain effect too. Oh, everything. It's neurotoxic. It's um, connective tissue toxic. So you see rheumatic problems and Mm -hmm. osteopenia, osteoporosis, easy breaks, Mm -hmm. tendonitis, loose joint, tight tissues, 
tendency to injury and then all that urinary tract thing and then eventually you get immune system problems so you get all this kind of idacy and uh, what we call autoimmune but what's happening is you're slowly polluting your body with particulate matter mm-hmm. that's a low-lying stimulus irritating the immune it's system it's like metastatic oxalate it's, like it could permeate your body yeah yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to hook onto tissues where you have injury, infection, inflammation. So it's going to be different in each person where the mm-hmm. bioaccumulation is occurring mm-hmm. and to what degree. Some people, it's isolated to their bladder or to some other tissue, and others, it's everywhere. Okay, folks, at this point, let's pause and allow one of our sponsors an opportunity to share an important message with you. Here goes. Listen up. You don't need a study to tell you that aging and fatigue go hand in hand. Nevertheless, my friends at Nutritional Therapeutics, makers of NT Factor, point to 16 studies, all peer-reviewed and published in medical journals, showing that NT Factor can reduce fatigue, while at the same time, age-related changes in the cells are reversed. For 30 years, the makers of NT Factor have worked to improve our health spans by focusing on the mitochondria, the energy powerhouses of our cells. Their science shows that NT Factor, which I don't go a day without and recommend to my patients, improves our energy and prevents the deterioration that accompanies aging. It promises that our day-to-day lives will be improved, and they keep proving it in studies that include placebo-controlled trials, both in the academic institutions and in medical practices like mine. You can find NT Factor at your favorite health food store or online retailer, or to order direct, go to ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. Don't let tiredness and fatigue rob your senior years. Invest regularly in the anti-aging benefit of NT Factor at ntfactor.com. Thanks for listening and thanks very much for supporting our sponsors. They are what make Intelligent Medicine continuing resource for you. And now back to today's guest, Sally Norton. As a practical matter, you don't suggest people go completely vegetable and fruit free, although many fruits and vegetables... Uh, grains, nuts, are sources of oxalate. So how can you safely incorporate fiber and some beneficial plant polyphenols, which we know are good for us, in a oxalate elimination diet? What are some of the safe foods to include? Well, a huge amount of the produce department is fairly low in oxalate, surprisingly. All the lettuces are low, watercress is low, arugula is low, and arugula is oh, part good. of the because I eat tons of that cabbage yeah. family, and that yep. whole cabbage family is relatively low. So turnip tops and mosh and radicchio and cabbage and cauliflower and broccoli and turnips and rutabaga and radishes, and it's a huge part of the produce department. They're all pretty low in oxalate. The problem vegetables are beet greens, chard, and spinach. And then there's the baking potatoes, which get turned into all the potato junk food that people like. Mm-hmm. Sweet potatoes, which is now being turned into junk food as well. Uh, and then you got the bran. The bran is protective in the grain. So the whole grains and the bran, the seeds, the nuts, the, the pseudo Gluten-free grains. Like so, 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 in effect, whole grains may be worse of a problem than even refined grains, which we know are not great for us. But it's more the the things that are removed in the refining process that are more oxalate laden. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's part of the protective outer coat of seeds. I have a diagram of that in my book of the ring of oxalate crystals in a raspberry seed when you. You take a cross section of it, you can see how this 
calcium storage mechanism is also like a shell helmet around the seed helping to protect it from premature germination, from digestion, from destruction and being crushed. The, the oxalate shell is protecting the, the seed. So when you take off the outer layers, you remove so, some of the oxalate. That would make sense. Why would the Asians always only take all that time to refine white rice when uh -huh. you could just cook it whole? Yeah. Because it's safer and more nutritious to eat the refined grain than it is the whole grain. Interesting. Uh, and, of course, uh, certain berries are problematic, right? Dark, the blackberry is the worst, and raspberries are come up second. Kiwi, pomegranate, star fruit is so high in oxalate. It's famous. There's many studies, uh, reports, and investigations done primarily in Brazil and southern South Asia where they... They eat star fruit as a sort of spinach-like superfood, and people get into trouble. And here's some real bad news: is that uh, dark chocolate, major source of oxalates, right? Yes, very bioavailable, but handy to researchers who want to test you and your oxalate absorption and how quick it gets in your kidneys. They can easily convince you to eat a chocolate bar or some hot cocoa that participate in the study. <laughs> okay, right, yeah. So it as a challenge to to prompt uh, higher levels of oxalate. Okay. Uh, well, that's right. tra that's tragic news for many of us. Um, and so, <laughs> so okay, so uh, some of the things that are dietary staples that are kind of healthy, avocados are intermediate? Uh, what's, what's the story there? It seems to depend on their ripeness. Oh. A lot of things get a little less oxalate-y the more ripe they get. So mm -hmm. based on limited testing, the, the, the riper the avocado, the less. Oxalate. So you can go from like 40 milligrams per per avocado when it's underripe to five when it's fully ripe and getting turning, mm -hmm. you know, brown. And of course, there are lots of resources available uh, on your website, and more complete uh, resources available in your book. Your book is Toxic Superfoods: How Oxalate Overload Is Making You Sick and How to Get Better. Uh, there's resources on your website, which is sallyknorton.com, and, and Sally. Uh, what would you say to people who say, okay, I, I heard this, I'm just going to Google it, you know, oxalate-rich foods. You're saying there's some problems with some of the popular uh, websites that list oxalate content of foods, you know, even some from some of the major, you know, Mayo Clinic and Cleveland Clinic and Harvard, what have you. Even the Harvard list is full of errors. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. There's not a good list online that's easily found. It's a world of confusion. And I've been working on a database for years. We have pretty much perfected that. And I'll have a data book companion to Toxic Superfoods so people can have a comprehensive list that's been vetted, that's been set up to be easy to read and understand. It has all the references, so it's completely transparent about where the data is coming from. And most of those lists offer absolutely no information about the testing where it was done, who did it, or even denominators. And they certainly don't tell you whether it was cooked or peeled or skinned or seeded. Mm -hmm. yep. There's so, such rough data. It's really not good. But we're working on it. And what about uh, companion nutrients to facilitate oxalate detoxification? I think you're a fan of B6. Uh, you seem to be a fan of bone broth. Uh, I'm not sure if that helps with oxalate or just you think it's a healthy repair substance. Uh, what are some of those? The biggest one is calcium. 
Calcium is the binder that protects us from oxalate. Calcium acts like oxalobacter fermenges in a way in the gut and that it can help the gut excrete oxalate successfully and it doesn't just come right back around because it, it is a passively absorbed molecule. So the gut can try to excrete it and it can become like emptying a leaky boat. So, so calcium is a binder, kind of a binder for oxalate. oxalate. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, calcium absorption isn't high. So you're taking calcium supplements. A lot of it is staying in the digestive tract is mm-hmm. exactly where you want it as a magnet mm-hmm. to encourage oxalate excretion. And especially uh, in the calcium citrate form, right? Because citrate also yes, is Yeah, that's ideal, but it's not required to use that form. Some people don't get along with that as well as others. So you can try pyruvate and car- or carbonate or mm-hmm. even crushed eggshells. The calcium is the important part, but the citrate is fantastic because it's so alkalizing. It's so ionizable. It's useful to the body. It helps protect you from kidney stones. It helps you rebuild your teeth and bones because citrate is what helps minerals stick on into your teeth and bones. It's mm-hmm. actually very productive to use the citrate form. And vitamin B6 plays a role. And you are going to need to rebuild your teeth and bones, unfortunately, if you've been eating these foods. So you could you say it's a culprit also in uh, uh, promoting osteoporosis. I have no doubt about it. I had un- unexplained osteopenia, which reversed itself in a few years on this diet. Hmm, that's really phenomenal. That's I think that's a very very important insight. Uh, what about vitamin B six? Uh, that seems to play a role in uh, kidney stone prevention. Does it play a role in people with oxalate overload? B6 and B1 are important cofactors to these enzymes in the liver that can end up producing oxalate in the body. So they're very important to keep the liver functioning well to minimize the endogenous production in the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm a little concerned about the standard B6 paradoxine HCL that's in most of the supplements, and I discourage use of that. Prefer you like P5P better? Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, for sure. Okay. Yeah, but B1, it's really powerful because that is a cofactor along with magnesium and other minerals to shunt the precursor to oxalate to non-toxic end products. So you really need that B1, which is probably even more important than B6. And tell us a little bit finally about uh, bone broth because you're a big fan of bone broth. Is it for the collagen that... You recommend that, and you don't even necessarily suggest that people get the the powdered forms that people get in the health food store. You suggest that people just make it up? The best part about bone broth is it's a culinary uh, convenience food. Once you learn to make it and have it in your fridge, it makes home cooking easier and, and makes your food flavorful and turns you into a chef. You can overdo bone broth and connective tissue because... The hydroxyproline, which is one of these connective tissue amino acids that's in gelatin and collagen, also is converted into oxalate in the liver to a small degree. And if you overdo bone broth, collagen supplements, gelatin supplements, Hmm. you can also increase your endogenous production. Although the biggest precursor to endogenous production in the liver is vitamin C. 
Hmm. That's the main right. one. Well, that, that's so another one. And people are, are, you know, a la Linus Pauling, they're like loading with vitamin C, especially with COVID, you know, and with allergies and environmental pollution. Vitamin C is an important part of everybody's regimen. But people who have oxalate uh, issues, the, the synthetic pathways from vitamin C go readily to oxalate, right? it can degenerate into oxalate even without pathways, even mm. without the enzymes. And it, there are enzymatic pathways, and it does turn into oxalate, but that's the main way even plants make oxalic acid is first they make vitamin C, and then they turn it into oxalate. That's how easy it is mm-hmm. to kind of oxidize the vitamin C into oxalic acid. And the interesting thing is that we're ignoring our own research to suggest that immune cells can only absorb so much vitamin C. Once you're up to like 400 milligrams, you're pretty much saturated. And unless you're in chronic infection or dying of sepsis, then you have that many more white blood cells to feed vitamin C mm-hmm. to. But mm-hmm. all of the extra is just extra that gets hung up in cells and turns to oxalate within cells and then starts destroying the cell capacity to manage its calcium and, and will increase calcium dysregulation in cells and increase the oxalate poisoning in situ, like right up there in your brain cells. So, so with decreased uh, intake of many plant-based sources of vitamin C, do you think it's reasonable for people to take moderate amounts of vitamin C supplementation, perhaps in divided doses, to not exceed the capacity of the body to uh, process it and absorb it? You know, maybe, I don't know, 200, 250 or something, two or three times a day. Is, is that unreasonable? What I would, what I recommend often to my clients is to try to get 50 milligrams three times a day. Mm-hmm. And to juice lemons, because lemons are your best source of citric acid, which protects you from kidney stones, and you're going to get 30 milligrams from a lemon. If you eat fresh um, or red peppers and lettuce, you're getting vitamin C there. You can get a fair amount of C from your diet, and you really, once you're over 250 milligrams a day, you're at risk of producing oxalate. So, you only need so much, and it's wor- you need vitamin C. It's so important to have vitamin C, but more in this case is not better. Wow, this is really an exciting uh, new paradigm, but it's kind of a uh, counterfactual uh, paradigm. Not that it's not fact-based, but it kind of goes against yeah. the grain of a lot of assumptions, which is that we want a plant-based diet. We want to eat a lot of whole grains. We want to eat a lot of nuts. You know, Chocolate is really good for you. Take lots of vitamin C. Uh, and, you know, and on and on it goes. Uh, but I, I think really it, it's high time that we introduce uh, this perspective. It may not be, uh, you know, one size fits all, but I think for uh, challenging uh, medical conditions, uh, I think it's important to open the lens to this possibility. And uh, I think your book is, is going to be a very, very important uh, guide to both patients and, and clinicians. Uh, to be aware of this and, you know, to not discount the potential for oxalate uh, toxicity to be uh, at least a, a driver of, of many enigmatic uh, symptoms that, you know, are otherwise hard to treat. So congratulations to you. So beautifully said. It is a fantastic clinical tool. And the sad part is that sick people reach for these high oxalate foods and it usually makes them worse and they can't figure out yep. why. They try so hard to eat all the right things and it doesn't work. Right. And it's it's kind of like a reverse broken. merit system is the more meritorious you are, uh, the worse you feel, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. It's so unfair. It, it just violates my sense of fairness to, to see us 
those of us who are trying hard as health geeks and failing because mm-hmm. we're getting the wrong information. Okay, well, thanks for very much for getting the word out, and you know, you're a wonderful communicator. Uh, the book once again uh, is uh, the is Toxic Superfoods: How Oxalate Overload Is Making You Sick and How to Get Better. Released in January 2023, and available usual sources and SallyKNorton.com website, uh, where there's lots of uh, resources and useful information. And finally. Uh, do you uh, counsel clients, you know, because you may get, there may be some complex cases, you know, people who've been to doctors, the doctors may not be that well acquainted with this paradigm. Uh, do you work uh, virtually? Because it sounds like you're located uh, on the West Coast. If that's not, that's my impression. I'm on the East Coast. Oh, you are. Okay. I'm East Coast all the way. My family's been on the East Coast since 1635. Oh, Okay. And um, I do see people through Zoom meetings all over the world. I have clients all over the world. I have not enough hours in the day, but I also do group Zoom meetings where you can meet other people and get a lesson from me complete with PowerPoint slides, and eventually I'll have a video course so that more people can take advantage of okay. really learning it. That, that's great because you can really extend your, your outreach and personalize your treatment because it sounds like it's not a it's not easy I mean there it's a uh, it's not a, a, a quick fix it's a bit of a journey for people suffering from these yeah. types of problems and uh, it I think it needs a experienced hand to guide them through uh, the ins and outs of this process so glad you're there for this that's true. well thank you very much for joining us uh, this has been a very interesting discussion That's Sally Norton. And I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. This is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I want to thank you for listening to the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast app and get new episodes automatically downloaded every weekday. And please give us a rating and review. It truly helps new people discover Intelligent Medicine. The Intelligent Medicine Podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their health care professionals for any such conditions. Finally, please visit drhoffman.com and discover everything intelligent medicine has to offer, including frequently updated, unbiased health news and fully vetted product and supplement recommendations. You know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. That's why I've partnered with Fullscript, an online dispensing platform that only offers curated professional-grade brands that I know and trust, the very same supplements that I prescribe to my patients and take myself. Never counterfeit or expired, always stored and shipped correctly. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to start your free Fullscript account. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA-compliant and offers world-class support. Fullscript also gives you access to my custom-targeted supplement protocols that combine the products that I recommend to address specific needs, heart health, immune support, and much more. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll get access to the supplements and features you need to help you achieve your wellness goals. That's DearHoffmanStore.com.
drhoffmanstore.com.